Today in the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a secret place that will take you back in time. Welcome to the Lost Valley of County Mayo. Thank you for tuning in to the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today I'm talking with Gerard Burke, who is a sixth generation landowner at one of the furthest reaches in County Mayo that you can get. And he and his family have created a very unique and touching destination for you to visit. So Gerard, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jody. And I want to go into a little bit on the Lost Valley. Now, I first heard of it, gosh, maybe a year ago. Um, you had actually contacted me, um, and we we talked back and forth a little bit. And then last year, um, my husband and my youngest daughter and I visited. And I have to admit that it was one of the most moving um and personal, I don't know, it, it just, it, it was one of those experiences that really reached in and kind of grabbed me and and mm-hmm. has stuck with me. And, uh, you know, beyond the natural beauty and everything, just the, the history of of your area has has made such an impression. And so I definitely wanted to share your Lost Valley experience. Um, with people who are thinking of traveling to Ireland. Very good, Julie, very good. No, we get that. I have to say that, that practically everybody who has visited us has gone home very satisfied. It's the history. It, it, the, the last valley is probably the think, um, memorial of the Great Famine, for example, that, that, that exists today, you know? Right. Um, it, it, there's an immense amount of history in the last valley. It, it, it's, it, I suppose, it's a, it, it's a very remote valley in the mountains, and it's, it was only in 1989 that we succeeded in finally making a roadway into it. Mm-hmm. And before that, for many generations, my family had walked two miles across the mountainside to get out to the public road. So there was no machinery of any sort uh, ever getting in there, and the result is that there's it's totally unspoiled, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Like at the time of the Irish famine in the mid 1800s, there were over 100 people living in the valley, with 89 actually on the 1841 census living in the in the deserted village itself Mm -hmm. in the valley. But you know, uh, because of immigration uh, and evictions, uh, only the Burke family were left there for the past 170 years. That's Uh, my own family. My own family have been in there. I mean, like my, my great, great, the rent records show that my great, great, great grandfather, Pat Buck, lived there with his family in the early 1800s. And my great, great grandfather, Michael Buck, was head of the household during the famine years. His eldest son, my great grandfather, Jack Buck, was 13 years old when the family were evicted during the famine. But Michael moved his family back into the Lost Valley after the famine when he got employment as a herdsman, uh, working for the new landlord. 
And basically because of that, the Bok family have been there ever since. Uh, as I say, they have had to traverse the mountainside on foot up until myself and my wife Maureen succeeded in making a road in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And because of, because of that, I suppose, Jody, everything is totally unspoiled. Even the stones, the piles of stones that were picked by the pre-famine potato cultivators, you know, mm-hmm. are still remain there in piles, you know, exactly where they left them, you know. So it's kind of unique in that respect, you know. It, it, and of course, yeah. you go on, go on, Jody, go on. I, I was just going to say that it truly is. I mean, it, it feels like when you walk back into it, that it is, you're walking back in time. I mean, it truly feels like you are leaving, you know, 2016, 2017, and every step you take takes you back, you know, about 20 years until you get down into the valley and you truly feel like you have stepped back 150, 200 years in time. It it does feel that unspoiled. It's amazing. Oh, yes, oh, yes, it, it is. Because I suppose the heritage, the rich heritage that's in there, is so unique that at this point we have multiple designations, mm-hmm. protective designations being put on the valley. You know, it's it's uh, it's been it's been classified as an area of special scenic importance, mm-hmm. a special amenity area, a national heritage area, a special area of conservation under the European Habitats Directive, all to protect the uniqueness of it. You know. Right. Now, were those designations that you um, went out to get to kind no, of help? No, no, no. They actually were not. They were imposed okay. from 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 the top, if you like. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes you see that the issue with these designations, a race, but they were strict. A lot of landowners wouldn't be that fond of them now. Right. We don't mind because we're not going to develop the valley anyway. Right, but right. they're basically a, a, a set of restrictions on, 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 on landowners, really, you know. On what you can do with your land and how you can use it and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we have no problem with that because we don't want to spoil it anyway. You right, know? right. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We want to keep it the way it is. Now, uh, now I know that when we visited, you do have quite um, – a flock of is it a flock of sheep a herd of sheep? <laughs> yeah, I have, a good um, I have a good flock of sheep where I live. But in, and they you know they kind of keep the grounds somewhat maintained and short if I'm correct. But then growing the herd isn't going to be a possibility with the restrictions on there. Um, so the farming aspect of of the land is kind of settled as yes, as in how much you can yes. do with it. Okay. It would be very difficult to progress to farming any further, right. yes, because we're, we're, we're subjected to quotas now right. that we have to, in order to maintain the, the landscape properly, we have to have a minimum and maximum, stay between the minimum and maximum numbers of sheep, you know, which is okay too, because given that we're interested in the tourism aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're quite happy with all of that, you know. Right, right. Now, I know that when we walked back into the valley, um, like you said, you've you've kind of built a a road back into there, and and what you do on the tour is you walk you walk through the path, which um, really leads you from the the one single road that that leads down to Silver Strand. So your area is incredibly remote. You kind of it's like turn here and then go until the road ends and you've arrived. 
Um, you know, you're you're either you're going into the Ogul Valley, Ogul Valley, or you're going into the ocean. It's one or the other. Yes, yes, yes. It is very, it is very remote. <laughs> no question about that. And and yeah, and then you you walk and you have you know the mountains rising on one side of you, and then on the other side of you, the land kind of falls away, you know, gently in places, not so gently in others, and all you can see below you is potato ridges leading to the ocean, and yes. these potato ridges have been there for cent a century at least, right? They have been there for at least 170 years. Oh wow! Because when, when, when the people, the, the, during the famine, all of the people were subjected to mass evictions. You know, mm -hmm. because the entire area, um, the landlord wanted to create a 50,000-acre sheep and cattle farm, so mm -hmm. he evicted all of the people during the famine. And uh, the potato ridges that that remain there are absolutely authentic, in the sense that they are they have never been touched since sheep and cattle farm since the place was turned into a sheep and cattle farm, you know. Also, of course, the remoteness helps to protect them, you know, the mm -hmm. inaccessibility of the valley. You know? Right. So so nobody has ever, you know, kind of what, done a little archaeological dig into one to see, you know, I mean, would there even be anything there anymore? Would the, the potatoes that at, during the famine had turned rotten, would those have just gone back into the soil all, by now? All the, they would be gone back into the soil. But okay. unquestionably, the potato ridges are there for the purpose of potato cultivation. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. As for doing archaeological digs, I would say the people who lived in the valley were Celtic Catholics. They were poor people. You know, mm -hmm. they wouldn't be any value to dig for, you know. Right, right. But that being said, I know that um, looking at the history of the area, and we talked about this, they actually had their their stone cottages were quite nice for well, you know the history of the area because they were so remote. They weren't really being checked up on by the landlord, so they were able to live. Yes, yes, it's quite extraordinary. But the standard of living in the valley was very significantly above the standard of living in the general area because of the remoteness of it. The, the tendency at the time was, uh, it, it, it was hard times in Ireland. You were, we were coming out of 100, 250 years of what they called the penal laws, mm -hmm. which were designed to keep the Celtic Catholics from ever threatening the ascendancy again. They deprived them from an education, from marrying a Protestant, from living in a town, a whole range of things. And, and the result of this was that the landlord seen his role as being sort of uh, his duty to, to keep these people as poor as he possibly mm -hmm. could, or so it would seem, you know. Mm -hmm. But, but these, because the Lost Valley was so inaccessible, he was happy to get his few pound rent out of it, right. uh, <laughs> I suppose. Right. And he didn't go very often. But the, the practice would have been to raise the rent. At the time, if you, if you built a stone wall around your potato patch, your rent went up. If you if you had a, a good house, your rent went up. And so most of the people were living in pretty pretty discrepant um, dwellings, whereas the people in the Lost Valley had good solid houses uh, because they weren't being eyeballed as often, if you like. They were right. getting away with a better quality of life, you know. Isn't that funny? Now, I know that, you know, like many, when you were young, um, you you left Ireland... And then you ended up coming back 
to your family's land and really looking at it with almost a different eye, a different respect, which led you to to creating, you know, this tour and um, really seeing the importance of the area. And I, what what really brought you to that point? What made you decide that that this was something to pursue? I think when you grow up someplace, you just take it for granted. You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't know anything else to compare it with. So you think, you know, you just assume that every place is pretty much on a par with it. But when you go away and see what's everywhere else and come back and you can see it with fresh eyes and you can see the beauty of it and the uniqueness of it, you know. And when you're growing up in an isolated place like this, you just don't appreciate it. I mean, in many ways, it was a fantastic place to grow up. Mm-hmm. There was great freedom. But as a child, you just don't know anything else, so you embrace what you have, you know. But looking back, it was definitely a hair tough existence now. Right. You know, when my dad married, he moved from the ancestral home in the village, in the old deserted village, uh, to a location about halfway between the, the village and the public road. Mm-hmm. But we still had about a mile of the mountainside to cross, you right. know, on our way from our new home to the public road, if you see what I mean. Right. So, you know, that wasn't ideal when you had to go to walk to school every day, you know. <laughs> and the schoolhouse was another two miles down the road. So <laughs> it was a journey of about an hour, over an hour, you know. So we were always late for school. We were never scolded because the teacher understood uh, our predicament, right. if you like. But we didn't know any difference, you know, so we were quite happy doing it. Right, you know, over uh, the mountain, so uphill both ways. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I remember one distinct occasion, you know. Um, there was a river between us, between the house and the public road, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it came down from the mountain, and it would flow very quickly during heavy rain, but then equally in summertime it could reduce to a trickle, you know. Right. But, but I remember one time when I was about eight years old, and uh, we were at school, and it rained and rained all day, and we walked back home in the rain, but when we came to the river, it was a raging torrent, and totally impassable, you know. My dad was sitting on the other side, uh, warning us that we to attempt to cross, you know, uh-huh. and we were wet to the bone. But we sat there for hours, a good full four hours, I would say, before the flood went down enough so that he felt it was safe for him to come across and carry us back oh over, the, over the river. But it's at times like that, I tell you, you'd be forgiven for thinking, you know, wishing that you were born someplace else, you know. Right. But, you know, uh, youth is wonderful. And when the long summer days came, you soon forgot those kind of things, you know. <laughs> I'd have great memories. I'd have great memories. Uh, you know, I remember playing at, in the rural village. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was very young, so it, it, my dad's sheep handling facilities were, were beside it, so we spent a lot of time there, you know, right. myself and my brother. But in my mind's eye, I could see the place alive with people, you know, coming and going. And I'd actually pretend that I was playing with the children. Indeed, I often reflect on the marvelous imaginations, you know, that children actually right. have, you know. I could play at that game for hours without getting bored. <laughs> or perhaps I was because I was bored, I don't know which. You know, <laughs> you know these, are, these are great memories, you know, they're great memories to have. It's it's kind of amazing because um, growing up, especially in the United States and, and um, in a very rural area myself, um, and my mother grew up in a, a very rural area, but hearing your stories of, you know, walking to school still at, you know, at about the same time my mother would have been or even a little after uh, makes me realize just how remote that area is. And in comparison to what we would consider remote, where they actually had a school bus that would pick them up and take them into school. 
Um, um, it's, it's quite a difference when I can kind of compare it in that way. Can you tell me, when, when did um, electricity and running water get out to uh, the Ogul Valley? I was actually away in England okay. when the electricity arrived in the valley, yes. So after you became an adult? And telephone, yeah. After I was an adult, absolutely, yes. Okay. We grew up without TV. Not such a bad thing, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> looking <laughs> looking at it. Well, I say, what, what you don't have, you don't miss, you know? That but, is but, very uh, true. We, we, had, we had a gas, pipes gas, mm-hmm. pipes gas for lighting around the house, you know, okay. for lighting and heating. But no electricity, no. Wow. It's, it's, it's just really kind of amazing when you think about it. I mean, that just shows you how remote the area is. You know. Yeah, oh, we're, we're actually in the extreme southwest corner of Mayo, just at the mouth of Killery Fjord. Uh, there's nowhere else you can go except across the Atlantic <laughs> in your direction. <laughs> now, I want to talk about the tour a little bit because it really is a wonderful tour, but it's, you know, obviously it's not a tour for people who may have mobility issues because it does involve um, quite a lot of walking. And it it's not. Well, it's not a hard walk, but it, it is quite a long walk, and it's not, you know, along a completely flat and, and uh, you know, like a, a yeah, cemented, it's, it's, cemented it's, path or anything. No, indeed, it's a green road that we made, you know. Um, I, I, I like to think that we go at a nice leisurely pace. We always oh, think it's suitable for all ages, but you don't want to have... Uh, mobility issues, I agree with you there, but the, the tour is conducted at a nice leisurely pace. You know? Oh, it is, it is. Uh, I mean, it was it was beautifully done. I didn't know that we walked that far by the time we were done. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we find we find we have we have children and we have people in their eighties, but they're mm-hmm. they're they're good mobile people right, right now, all right? Because uh, it, it is pushing on. You know, by the time we've visited the trail around the valley and visited all the different points of interest. We'd have, by the time we're back at the car park, we've covered pushing for five kilometers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, but that's over three hours, so, you know, it's nice and leisurely. Yes, we, it's we a call great it walk. a fully guided cultural, we call it a fully guided cultural adventure, Jody, you know? <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and it is, I mean, you, you take us, you took us up and, uh, you know, up into, I don't want to say into the mountains, but up around the kind of the, the very base of the mountains where you were looking down. Um, and then, you know, into the, the famine village and across a beautiful, I mean, just the most picturesque, beautiful waterfall-filled creek. And, and then you went, took us to, uh, you restored, actually, your, the home your father grew up in, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And that was a real yes. treat. Can you can you tell me about that process of restoring that? That was a, quite a lot of work, it seems. Well, it was it was, but the roof had actually fallen off it, you know. Mm-hmm. And we oh God, it must be twenty years ago now. We decided because there was so much history in it, so much of my family's history in it. I mean, my great 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 grandfather lived there at the turn of the eighteen hundreds, you know. So, mm-hmm. so, so we go way back there, and it was just a shame to let it fall, fall apart, you know. So we, 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 we 
got our cottage up and went and <laughs> put a simple enough roof, roof on it, really, uh, Jody, because if a building is roofed, if an old stone building is roofed, it will preserve it for a long, long time. So you can right. stop the water from going down through the walls, you know. Right. So, so that's basically all we did with it, really. You know, we just okay. re-roofed it. And and walking in was like again. I I have said step, stepping back in time about this about you know about your tour a few oh, times yeah. now. But I mean, you walk in and and it truly is you you know the turf fire when you walk in is going. Your lovely wife has uh, has a kettle on and she's got biscuits out and she has the turf fire going and you're walking into you know a a cozy home. 150 years you're ago. Walking, you're walking into a lot of history. That's what you're walking into. You're walking into a great deal of history. We had, I remember on one occasion, we had a school tour back there. And one, the teachers had them, had them sitting down on the floor, you know, telling them about the history of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to our kids. One guy, and he wasn't any more than, I'd say, nine or ten. And he just looked up and he goes, oh, isn't it a pity that this house couldn't talk? Oh, and, right. you know, he stunned everybody. He stunned everybody, you know, because the story the house could tell, it could, uh, what, what conversations it had listened to, you know, it's fascinating, you know, the way children's minds work. If oh, it could exactly. recount stories it had heard, yes, yes. Well, I know that my youngest did the tour with us. Um, my eldest was away at uh, maths camp, but my youngest did the tour with us, and, you know, at 10 years old, she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't a bit bored. She, and she kind of did the same thing with when we were out, um, you know, with the sheep and with the trees and, and with the ruins. You know, she really felt a connection there as well as, and, and kind of went to the, you know, if only I knew the stories that are so deeply rooted here. So she kind of went the same oh. way. And I, I think that, uh, that children's imaginations and, and also their openness to know um, is really quite a blessing in that way. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But I don't, I don't want to give away too much of the tour. But um, other than to say that it is, I mean, it's a fascinating tour and it's an interesting tour and it's a heart wrenching tour. And I, I know that I came away from it um, completely moved and with, with a lot of of different different emotions and thoughts and maybe, you know, misconceptions um, that I had in my head corrected. Um, okay. And, and it's a wonderful, wonderful tour. Uh, and, and I highly recommend it. But like you said, you are in a very remote part of Mayo. And it, you're, you're kind of the very, very southern edge. I mean, it's like you, you leave Galway along the Killary Fjord and you have to go completely around the fjord and then when you get to uh, the Ogul Valley, you're looking across and you're seeing, you know, Galway, County Galway, yeah, where yeah, if you could, yeah, and, and, you know, like, it's, it, what, an hour clear around at least. And when, you know, if you could cross it by boat, it, it would take you, you know, only a portion of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite, yeah, a, quite yeah, a place. Yeah. But, yeah. um. It, it really is just an amazing experience, and I can't thank you enough for, you know, making making me aware of it. Now, I know that you've had a very busy year, though. You've only been really conducting tours there just over a year now. Am I correct? That's right, Jody. That's right. 
Oh, we're, we're very, very, very satisfied with the way things are going. It's beyond our wildest expectations, to be quite honest with you. We're delighted the way people are responding to it, you know. Uh, you said it all yourself there. You know, everybody who comes out there is feeling that they have experienced something exceptional, you know, and quite extraordinary. And, and I'd say it's a great... It's a great feeling to be part of that, actually, you know. It, it really is. I totally is. enjoy being yeah, it, yeah, really it really is. is yeah. um, so not to draw away from the exceptionalism of your, of your area, but this is a question that I ask everyone when they come onto my podcast is three places, um, other places that you would recommend people visit. Now, like I said, you're very remote. <laughs> you're very remote. Yeah, and so, um, you know, are there, are there any other places that may be, you know, not terribly far from you that you think people might be missing or, yeah. you know, highlights well, that Jody, they should check out? Or? Yeah, absolutely, Jody. I mean, where I am is totally off the, the, the beaten track, you know, the tourism beaten track, if you like, totally. Uh, Lewisburg would be my nearest village here. Mm -hmm. And not a very beautiful village and a very beautiful place and not visited at all as much as similar places in Kerry, for example, you know. Uh, we have Pier Island here, which I'd recommend to anybody. You know, the, the, the ferry goes from Lewisburg, from Runa Key, out mm -hmm. to Pier Island. And it's, 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 it's a fabulous. It's, it's, it's another way of going back in time, really, you know. When you get out onto these offshore islands. Because the people there are just, well, sort of the earth, really, you know. Right. It's, it's an experience in itself. And I, I would, I, I totally enjoy going out there myself. I don't know uh, what your, what your, uh, what your clients or your, your people would, would think of it, but I'm sure that they find it fascinating, you know? Right, right. It's just different. Oh, completely. Uh, apart from that, we have, you know, I, I love the mountains anyway, you know, and I love the remote places in the mountains. So I, 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 I could live in Connemara anywhere, really, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my kind of thing, you know? It is a beautiful so, so. area and, and very close to you, very south of you. So, And people who are maybe visiting Connemara would find... Um, find the Ogul Valley to be a very nice day trip, very doable, and and you would pass Absolutely. through the you know the villages around the fjord and and those are quite nice Absolutely. as well. So. Absolutely, it's, it's a wonderful drive from Connemara back down here, but it, it, it's a long drive, all right. You know, in, 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 but, but probably we're easiest got to from Westport actually. You know, mm -hmm. Westport is an up and coming tourist, tourism hub as well. It's a lovely we're, town. We're more they reach from Westport, yeah, yeah. It is a lovely town. Well, Gerard, I want to thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, I just, the, the memories I have of the Lost Valley and the feelings I have, I don't know that those are ever going to dissipate. I, I read through my journal from our last trip and I, I read what I wrote and it, it just really takes me back to the feelings and the experiences of that day and I can't thank you enough again for, for having us and taking us on the tour and then again talking to me today. And I wish you all the best, you and your lovely wife, because you really do have just, you know, the, the perfect, untouched, unspoiled bit of Ireland right there under your feet. And, and it's amazing that you share it the way you do. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. It's my pleasure to, to speak with you and to take you through the valley. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much.